Hey everyone, it's Brian with 12-Pack Radio, and we have a great show for you today. Washington and Oregon both going down. Washington State, ASU joining the party again. Uh, Colorado undefeated, lots of good stuff to talk about. One thing I wanted to highlight was our scheme show that we recorded last week, and that was with Doug and Andrew, and they brought in Chris Osgood from Bruin Report. Really, really good stuff into what UCLA is doing uh, to succeed in a year that I think a lot of people, ourselves included, didn't think they were going to have that great of a year, have been really solid. So to take a look out for that, they also talked a little bit about Oregon, about Cal's defense, uh, just some good stuff there. And that show and this show are brought to you as always by Nextiva, who has been a really solid partner of us and allowed us to expand. Uh, they're the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service that's chosen by U.S. and World Report. Nextiva gives companies all over the Pac-12 the ability to stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. They've been a great sponsor to us. You'll see them all over the Pac-12 this year, allowing uh, really this conference to uh, continue doing their work. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12-pack to get started. Nextiva.com forward slash 12-pack to get started. Make great calls or die. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta-Rank College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 Gambling Advice with William Hills Max Meyer. We're live. We're live from the Nextiva Studios. Clothing optional. And boy, howdy, was it a crazy week. Utah, Oregon State, uh, one of the weirdest games I've seen in a long time. We had, uh, you know, hey, well, let me just ask you this question, Rob. Is, is it an upset if Oregon, you know, if Oregon keeps losing, it's really not an upset anymore, right? <laughs> no, it's... It is not. <laughs> I am joined by Rob Barron from Sharp College Football and uh, the Beta Rank College Football Model. What's going on, Rob? How are you? I'm I'm excited. This is uh, it, it feels like we we staggered to the finish, but we got there. We got in all the games last week, uh, which was nice. Um, and uh, I feel like we have a good idea who everyone is uh, at this point, at least to to some extent. And and no no one stands out as being really really good. Yeah, and thanks to everybody for bearing with us this year. It's, I mean, obviously everybody knows it's a crazy year, but one of the things that has been fun about the last two years that we've done this is it's usually the non-conference season when we're seeing these teams kind of come into their own in time for conference season that we have a good idea of who they are. Um, and we just didn't have that this time, so we're, you can kind of see us swimming through the sea of questionable um, as we, we approach things. And again, like, if you're Cal, dang. I mean, like, just I think they got two weeks robbed from them. If you're Stanford... Uh, you know, Davis Mills goes out, uh, you know, that first week or whatever because of the COVID test. If you're ASU, you know, you get that one game against USC, you take two weeks off. And, and like Washington is – so all these teams have been so herky-jerky. But I do think, like you mentioned, Rob, we, we have a, a pretty good understanding of who these teams are. So it'll be interesting to see this week and next week as we uh, move forward. But also joined by William Hills, Max Meyer, and Max, Colorado's ranked, man. What a world. <laughs> what a time to be alive. But, uh, yeah, and now that they're one game away from finishing the regular season undefeated, which blows my mind. 
It is. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that game against Utah. It'll be really interesting. I know that one of the things that uh, has been floated around recently is whether or not the uh, that game, Colorado, uh, should be really uh, Colorado against USC. Uh, do you have any hot takes on that, Max? Uh, I mean, if only that game wasn't canceled. But I still I, I think that there's a great shot that one of these teams falls. But I, it, it would be messy again if both of these teams fall, which is obviously realistic possibility, too. USC, Rob, losing to UCLA would be the most on brand for the Trojans. I don't know. What, what do you think about uh, trying to get USC to play Colorado instead? I, mean, I, I feel like it was a little bit overhyped at this point this week that, you know, that everyone was dogging on the Pac-12 for not, um, you know, moving these games around for teams, uh, you know, so that you would have, uh, you know, Utah play UCLA and USA, USC play Colorado. I just, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, it's, you definitely want, you want to give the buffs a chance, um, you know, to settle it on the field, if you will. Um, they've certainly, you know, by, by, you know, winning their three pack 12 games up to this point, you certainly feel like they, you know, deserve a shot. USC would still be, you know, the favorite in that game. Um, I don't know. I've seen some, uh, I've seen some numbers thrown around that are, pretty high. I mean, off the top of people's heads on how big of a favorite USC would be versus Colorado. Um, you know, they would be a, a significant favorite. Uh, I don't have, them. Um, I mean, folks, folks have the, have, have had USC and I think some of this is some overreaction to the USC's recent game against oh, yeah. Washington state. Um, you know, I saw some people throwing around in the pac 12, that USC would be a double digit favorite. Uh, beta rank on a neutral site would have USC, is just under a six point favorite, 5.78, about a 70% win probability in that game. I mean, Colorado, I mean, at that point, Colorado gets one or two turnovers. They could easily upset the Trojans. Um, so I mean, USC would be the favorite, but they're, they're not, I mean, but the flip side is, I mean, I, I mean, as Max pointed out, it's a, both of these teams have pretty tough matchups this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think USC wants Colorado. They don't want any piece of the buffs here coming into to their game against Utah. Well, they'd rather play them than UCLA. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Which is so like I, this this Colorado, freaking Colorado should have beaten USC last year, but granted, completely different Colorado team. It is it is uh, it is a uh, interesting year. Um, and, and we had some really strange games this week. Um, we mentioned, we referenced Oregon dropping their game to Cal. That Stanford-Washington game, I mean, I, like, you know, if this was ESPN, somebody would say that Washington has a Stanford problem. I, I, not, I'm not going to go there, but it was interesting to watch that game. Um, let, let's go with you, Rob. What, what were your top three takeaways from this last week's slate? Uh, I mean, I think that my, my top takeaways were really that UCLA has, I mean, it's, and I have to own up to it. I did not see it coming from them coming into the season. They really have improved um, significantly. Uh, you know, they got, they got a pretty good, uh, they got a pretty good one this week with the ASU coming off three weeks, of, three weeks of rest. <laughs> be rusty, but I think they I mean, might have been rested in like a sick bed in the hospital, but they were yeah. resting, Rob. Yeah, and and, yeah. and you know, I'm, the one thing that we should mention before we forget, I'm so excited to see. Uh, I was so excited to see Herm back on on the sideline because, oh, yeah. um, you know, it's particularly with like his age and and just a lot of. The, I mean, anyway, it was it was. I was just that was super super. Um, exciting because he's just been so solid for that team and for the conference. And it just like, I mean, every report about him has been really, really positive. So just anyway, I was really glad to see him back there and, and doing his thing. 
And then, I mean, I, I think the other, you know, takeaway, you can combine the other two takeaways into just, I mean, Oregon and Washington just not being good enough to win, you know, games when they're bad, right? I mean, or in Oregon's case, uh, you know, you turn the ball over twice to Cal um, and finish minus two on turnovers, you know, it caught up with them. I mean, they're, they're not a good enough team uh, to be able to beat Cal like that. Uh, and then you flip it around at Washington. I mean, that, that result was actually somewhat the most, the most of the surprise because Stanford was actually uh minus one. I mean, Stanford spotted Washington a turnover in that game. Um, but I, I guess you could say it just goes to show, I mean, just Washington, just not, not really being a complete team yet. Um, and they struggled with what, you know, I think if you look over even their, their, their work this year is uh, another pretty, pretty mediocre Stanford team. I'm curious to see what Washington is next year um, and if <laughs> what they do at the quarterback position. I mean, like, our, you know, Morris didn't have a ton of time. Obviously, it's it's a weird year, but, like, have not been super impressed with him and what he was able to do uh, in his short time so far. Um, hopefully he improves. I know you're talking about his footwork a little bit. He did throw a, just two bombs to Ty Jones. Um, I was really excited to see that. But at the end of the day, it wasn't good enough to uh, – I mean, Stanford really stepped it up. And, uh, and both on the front seven, they were able to hold the rushing attack pretty at bay and, um, and were able to rush on their own, too. We talked about the ability of teams – to be able to rush on Washington, but like Stanford has just been not great at that all year. And, uh, and woe and behold, of course, they uh, bring the noise against the dogs. Max, what, what were what were some other things that stood out for you? Uh, just when I thought I was out on Davis Mills, he pulls me back <laughs> in. He looked great. That was that was easily the best I've, I've seen him this season. Like he he looked really really good. Um, I think I would I. I um, last week, I don't know if I would say that this was the most certain I was of, of a game, but I was extremely confident on Cal. Uh, I think when we were taping, they were double digit dog. And I, I, I was like real, I don't know. I, I just, I, I thought that Cal was really undervalued and I mean, Oregon just with the turnovers again, I mean, the defense has been a, a big disappointment, but the, the, you can, you're not going to win that many games with minus two and minus three turnover differentials. Um, as often as they are. And then uh, the other one, I guess, just Sunday night, I mean, Clay Helton winning on Sundays, who would have thought? But, I mean, USC looked amazing. And it, it was like it was like the first time in a long time that, like, it was a completely sweat-free game from the start for USC. It was, it was like, it was shocking. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, uh, Slovis looked so maybe you just need like a week off or something, but he, he looked so much better. Uh, even and USC couldn't even run the ball on Washington state. And that's going to be like a huge, I mean, if they're having trouble against Washington state's front, good luck with UCLA. Uh, but yeah, but USC's and USC's receivers are really good. And I mean, this is still, uh, I mean, last year when USC and UCLA played USC had 400 yard wide receivers. And I'm sure that's going to be on, on UCLA's mind for sure. Uh, ahead of their matchup. I had the under, it was 68 and a half, the USC Washington state game. I'm just like, that's a lot of points for Washington state to put up in in this game. And, uh, and they didn't, uh, but that first quarter, holy goodness, I think what USC dropped like a 30 burger almost in the first quarter, <laughs> like texting my dad frantically like, oh no, oh no. But uh, again, uh, you know, Helton ended up sitting on that lead. It, it was interesting because they kept Slovis in a little bit longer than I would have anticipated. But at the end of that quarter, we we had a, a Matt Fink sighting. We had uh, some, you know, other players come in, Gunnar Cruz on the other side. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into that game. 
Um, on my end, it was just kind of the, you know, it's nice to see Cal um, after what I thought they kind of got jobbed out of that first game of, of just really having to put things together. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to come into their own. I, I still, it would have been really interesting to see what Cal was in a regular season. Um, but they certainly are starting to put together uh, on the defensive front too. I mean, I think Shuck definitely helped that out. He, he was awful last uh, this past week, but um, it was just Cal's defense was able to kind of hold the line, particularly in the run defense. So I don't want to um, overshoot that and make sure that we, we reference it. And uh, anyway, it was kind of fun to watch them. Uh, all right, guys, let's get in. We're going to we're gonna preview every game that's coming up this coming week, and we're going to go through every game that happened this past week, and we're going to do it right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Is William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back. And don't worry, Colorado fans. We're leading with you. We're leading with you, baby. Colorado is a two and a half point favorite at home against Utah with a chance to uh, go undefeated. Undefeated, Rob, in the Conference of Champions. Uh, what, do, what do you think about this matchup here? Uh, this this is one that I mean, Bader and has this really tight, too. I mean, Bader and has Colorado coming in. They're only at 49. Utah's at 34. But in this part of the sort of distribution of teams, like that, that's not that far apart. Um, so, you know, Colorado is a very, very slight favorite in the model, with a, like a third of a point, <laughs> basically with the home edge. Um, and But this game is a true toss up. I mean, a 50 percent win probability. So I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see this game. But I mean, both these teams, um, you know, even though uh, even though they both won uh, last week, they managed to look vulnerable uh, in particular, I think, uh, you know, in each of those games. Yeah, let's uh, well, let's go with you first, Max. Uh, first impressions on uh, on the line on the game. Then we'll kind of go into Colorado's game against Arizona, and then into Utah's game against Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, the line is interesting just because Colorado obviously is undefeated and they're ranked, and Utah just won its first game of the season this past week. Um, I mean, with Colorado, obviously, first year coaching staff Carl Durrell's done a really nice job. Uh, Colorado's definitely vastly overperformed uh, from what they were expected to do preseason. Uh, Utah, we figured that this would be a, a, a slow start just with all the production uh, that they've lost. But I feel like you, with Utah, I mean, like, yes, they only beat Oregon State by six, but I mean, Utah was up by 20 points in the, in the fourth quarter. I mean, I just thought they completely outplayed Oregon State. Uh, probably a game that Utah should have covered, but Oregon State got some nice bounces at the end. 
And then the game before that, like they held a 21-point lead over Washington. So I think that this is a Utah team that's getting stronger. I mean, the coaching staff is obviously top-notch. Uh, this is a low line, but I am going to – I'm interested in the Utes for a side uh, for this one. Oh, okay. All right. We'll take a look at that here. Let, let's talk about Colorado's win over Arizona. Uh, Colorado 24, Arizona 13. This was the Jarek Broussard show. <laughs> 25 rushes for 301 yards, 12 yards per carry. And uh, I watched this whole game and I'll have to go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure that every one of his uh, rushes, maybe there was one on the outside, but a lot of that came right up the middle, right into the teeth of <laughs> maybe the, the dentures of <laughs> Arizona's inside linebackers and safeties. I mean, he just torched them like nobody's business. Uh, looking at some of the other the notes here, you know, Sam Neuer, 12 for 19, two interceptions. Um, he did get 67 yards on the ground. But, I mean, this really was uh, a story of two things. The first was uh, the ability of Broussard just to do whatever he wanted. And in uh, a story of Colorado just taking advantage of Arizona's awful awful offensive line, five sacks, 12 tackles for a loss on this game, Rob. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, there's this. I, I was a little surprised to see how much push Colorado got, um, you know, against Arizona's front. Um, you know, I, I against you know with Blackwell and Lopez both in there, um, but they were really able to to seal them off and then get to the second level. Um, and and Arizona's linebackers and safeties have of course been a real big problem for the team, uh, both in coverage and in, in, in the, against the run. Um, so yeah, I mean, like the story of this game in a lot of ways, if you're Colorado is that they were able to run the ball so effectively, um, and that Arizona's defense, which is, you know, at times this season has looked improved, uh, you know, really they, they, you know, they were able to gash them pretty hard, uh, in this game. I think what, you know, the, but if you flip it around, I mean, like, I mean, against Will Plummer with a bad offense, you know, bad offensive line run blocking, I mean, man, Colorado gave up 268 to Arizona. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's some sacks of course counted in there with plumbers yards. Um, you know, Michael Wiley had 122. Gary Brightwell had, you know, 117. Uh, you know, that, that would be my concern given, you know, where Utah's offense is at where they ran the ball. I mean, pretty effectively, I think, uh, you know, uh, last week. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if there, there's definitely some good here if you're a Colorado fan. Um, but I, you know, there's, there, there, there's definitely a few concerning things coming out of this game. Yeah. And Arizona was able to get a, a decent amount in the backfield, seven tackles for a loss and a sack. Um, it, one of the things that's been the bright spot for Arizona and we'll, we'll get to them in their next game though, is, has been the def- defensive front with the two transfers, uh, the grad transfers from New Mexico, New Mexico state. And just, they, they've been able to be actually pretty solid, um, in terms of trying to put some pressure on opposing teams and I just want to, but Broussard, man, holy goodness. Um, like you mentioned, able to get past that first level. And then um, it was just bad angles and bad, bad play really from um, in, in addition to the talent of Broussard. So uh, we've been highlighting him, uh, but not enough. <laughs> 300 yards, you better damn well uh, highlight something like that. So uh, congratulations to Colorado as they go into their game. Let's, let's flip over here to Utah. Um, Utah 30, Oregon State 24. This was a bizarre game. And like you mentioned, Max, Utah really had a handle on this game. Um, and it was just that second half was so strange. I mean, like fourth down conversion after fourth down conversion. I think the ball tipped out of somebody's hand and there was a, like, it was just, it was super weird. It was, it was a motley, uh, a series of motley events. And, um, with that said, I'm a little nervous if I'm a Utah fan because Chance Nolan looked, I mean, 
like he's a college student. It was his first first time playing, going from the JUCO to the the Pac-12 ranks. Like he's better than I will ever be a quarterback. Um, all that said, he that was probably the worst performance I've seen of a Pac-12 quarterback in a while. Um, and, and I don't think the numbers quite do it justice. So he is 20 for 38, about 53% completion rate. But it was just how far he was missing his wide receivers. It made it like I went back and looked at the box score after watching the game and going like, oh, like, man, it looked a lot worse on on, uh, on tape than on paper. Uh, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, but they were still max. Oregon State was able to, to get in this game and, and make it pretty close actually at the end which is super bizarre now they had to play catch up um but uh i don't know like are, are you worried if you're a utah fan here after that performance uh i don't like i just think utah should be happy that they won the game mm-hmm. i wouldn't necessarily call it worrisome uh I, well maybe i mean i to be fair this is the second straight uh game that utah has gotten off to a huge lead and but instead of blowing it this time they they, they cut it to six um i mean yeah Chet, nolan it was basically like the Corvallis version of Jack West last year for Stanford. <laughs> yeah. That was, um, I, I admit like Nolan's like his, his lone touchdown throw. I have no idea how that got through. It, it went like one Utah, uh, defenders hands. And then in between two other Utah defenders to the Oregon state wide receiver, it was, it was like the magic loogie. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I don't, I still think like a lot of positives overall for Utah. Like they got their ground game going, which was good. Uh, I, the, the big key was they really, um, they were having issues with turnovers and they didn't turn the ball over once that game. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, just, uh, I, I think, I think it's a positive, uh, for Utah just getting off the schneid and now they get a chance to knock off a undefeated team. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Utah was able to move the ball. Um, uh, Ty Jordan, by the way, had a great game. 27 carries for 167 yards, 6 yards per carry. Um, they had more than 200 yards on the ground, so they were able to move the ball. Uh, Brent Keithy was kind of really the – oh, by the way, welcome to back to the party. Britton Covey, his first touchdown of the season. Um, four for 54. It was nice to see him get on, on the board there. Um, Brent Keithy was was definitely um, a part of that offense, like he always is, eight for 76. And, uh, you know, you could tell that they were really trying to find him. He's kind of a quiet uh, beginning. but uh, And Jake Bentley, like you mentioned, only turned the ball over one time this time, Rob. So, uh, you know, it's baby steps here. Yeah, I, I think you you know there are some positives. I mean, Bentley was uh, he was okay. I mean, he did, the best you could say is he didn't turn the ball. Over. <laughs> um, they didn't ask him to do a lot because they were able to get Jordan going on the ground. Uh, I mean, I, it's just a matter with this Utah team of really, like, I, I guess, is um, you know, do you really think that you know they're going to be able to to keep Bentley out of trouble? Um, you know, he, if he does get pressure, you know, is he, is he going to turn the ball over? Um, and then too, I mean, like they, you know, they, you know, hiding in this box score is a, you know, the, the punt return, um, you know, touchdown, yeah. you know, they, I mean, we alluded to it, but you know, that, that, that on its own, I mean, is, is really what ended up having to, you know, put them over the top here, uh, in this game. I just, I, I think that Utah looks again, like, you know, and Oregon state's not, I mean, Oregon, Oregon state with chance Nolan was not anybody's idea of a great team. Let's put it that way. Um, and I, I just think that this Utah team is going to have to, they're going to have to play better to likely beat this Colorado team. Um, you know, than they did this, this past week. Um, and maybe better than we've seen them play, you know, uh, you know, for a full game this season. I mean, they, they, they definitely had it going in one half against Washington. Um, they're going to have to really put it together. 
you know, in all likelihood. I mean, Colorado, you could argue Colorado hasn't been tested yet to this point. I mean, the best team that Colorado's played is UCLA and UCLA spotted them for turnovers. Um, you know, and then came back and nearly won the game anyway. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this should, I mean, this is, I guess what we're, I guess we're saying is like, this is not a battle of juggernauts. This will be two evenly matched teams. It might come down in this game to who makes the fewest mistakes. Yeah. That'll be interesting here. Uh, one thing to mention is uh, three sacks and eight tackles for a loss for Utah's defense, which is pretty solid. They also held a Jamar Jefferson less rush attack to 133 yards on the ground. I know that was kind of the bread and butter of Oregon State. And if you know, if you listen to a lot of Oregon State fans, they, they talk about the guys behind Jefferson. Uh, but Jefferson is special, and um, and you know, BJ Baylor wasn't quite uh, there picking up all of the pieces. Uh, so something interesting. Let, let's go into this game here. I think the biggest question for me is whether or not Utah is going to be able to stop. Uh, the rush attack for Colorado. I think that's the key because Neuer's fine. He's a game manager. Um, that I think that's kind of putting, I mean, and again, if you're a Colorado fan, I would take that this year. Um, somebody that's may, may turn the ball over maybe once a game, um, but also not, not really torch you through the air. What's, what, what's that matchup there in beta rank, Rob, the Utah rush defense against uh, the ground attack of Colorado. Second. So, uh, this is going to be the the number 58 overall offense for the buffs against the number 37 defense. Uh, you know, Colorado's number 20 in effective rush, really a solid rushing attack. Um, and they get the number 43, you know, effective rush from the Utes. Uh, you know, Utah has where they really struggled is both giving up big plays with explosive drives and, and drive efficiency. Um, they've, they've done pretty, they've done pretty well at forcing three and outs. Uh, they're at number five at negative drives. Um, so, you know, if you're Colorado, uh, and can, and they mostly avoided negative drives at that 21. So, you know, call and they have some big plays at 29 in, in explosive drive. So it might come down to whether Colorado can really get, you know, the explosive running game going. Um, and they have, it looks like they may have a little bit of an advantage. Certainly like if you flip it around, Utah's number 35 and effective pass Colorado's number 99 and effective pass. So, you know, you, I would also expect the Utes to to bring the safeties down uh, and try to dare Colorado to throw. I still think the Utes are disciplined enough that if they you know tighten like if they play tight in the box that um, you know they 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 could, they could unlike uh, Arizona um, actually force uh, force Colorado to to throw the ball. Max, what do you think some of the keys are to this game outside of uh, that matchup? There is there anything else you're keeping an eye on? Uh, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, just stopping Broussard and putting the game in, in Neuer's hands. I mean, with Colorado, I mean, the UCLA game, like what Rob was saying, was their toughest challenge. But Colorado just got off to such a hot start um, after UCLA's early turnovers that they were that UCLA had to play catch up. And UCLA did almost come back in that game, but it, it was just it was too much to overcome. Uh, the Stanford game, yeah, Stanford just looked out of sorts. Uh, Arizona looks like a tra- absolute train wreck. Did you guys also know that Arizona is tied for the second longest losing streak out of any team in the country? Oh, it's like the yes. Mac- Makovich uh, era all over again, right, Rob? Yeah, yeah. The 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 last time we hired a coach that got fired from a school in Texas. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, um, yeah. And then and then, uh, uh, well, I, this is obvious, but just like really any. Uh, any uh, Utah with so much of this or out of the game, most of the games that they played, like they've been strung by turnovers. Um, so just limiting it on that front. I mean, Bentley just has to be better at decision-making. Um, yeah. I, 
And then I just, I, I think you're right though. I, I think it's, I think it's the trenches and specifically Utah's defensive line against Colorado's offensive line and whether or not Colorado will be able to run the ball effectively or not. Yeah, if you flip it around, it's almost the same thing, right? It's it's Utah's ability to run against a, a pretty solid front seven for Colorado. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention in that Utah game was there was two dropped interceptions uh, that Bentley threw. So really, it should be three. Um, one, one of them was like a super easy one. The other one was would have been a nice play, but it was still a bad decision. Uh, I just I don't I don't trust Utah's offensive line. Um, I think Bentley is going to going to be running around a little bit. The, it wasn't reflecting the box score, but Oregon State was able to kind of make Bentley uncomfortable in the back uh, backfield. He was able to step out of a lot of that stuff. But um, I, uh, I I'm going to take Colorado. I, I think at home. I'm not a, a big fan of Utah this year. I think next year is their year. You know, if we haven't given you as much attention, Utah fans, I just think um, this is a team that needed the full year to come together and just, you know, the circumstances as they are, that didn't quite happen. But, um, you know, better recruiting, good coaching, I think next year is probably, uh, plus the bad quarterback luck too. I mean, <laughs> first game or first drive or whatever of the season and uh, and now you're back to the backup. So um, give me Colorado. I'll take them. Uh, Max, who are you picking in this one? It sounded like you were looking at Utah. Utah, and I'll go Utah outright. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Utah too. I mean, I I think the I, I think it's tight. I think Colorado, like it's just uh, I'm going with Beta Rank here. I think it's it's much closer to to a pick'em than it is to to a slight Colorado. All right, let's hop over to Washington, which is a six point underdog on the road at Oregon. And uh, this was supposed to be the uh, the match of the juggernauts. Not quite there. Not quite there. Uh, both teams losing, obviously, in uh, in this previous week. We'll get to those games. But Rob, um, six points seems like a you know like a little little high, little high here in this game. Uh, particularly with a defense that uh, has had some issues with. Oh, I don't know everybody uh, so far. Yeah, that's higher than I would have expected it to be. Um, just a little. I mean, Beta rank has this with uh, Oregon at seventeen, Washington at twenty three. Both teams have been falling a little bit of late. Uh, Oregon has is a, roughly a four and a half point favorite in Beta Rank with a sixty five percent win probability. I would I would have expected it, and and Max alluded to this too. Expected it to be closer in that range. Max, I know that there's I mean there's a couple things in this game with Oregon, uh, and we'll we'll talk about their matchup with Washington first. But uh, I mean, Shuck was was really. That was the worst game I've seen so far. There's only been like four of them, <laughs> but he certainly was off. Um, and that offense just wasn't able to get going. Again, some credit to Cal, obviously, uh, particularly in stopping the run. But I do think in the pass attack, there was a number of, of not necessarily wide open receivers, but a lot of open receivers that were missed. Um, he had some turnovers. So I, I don't know if that quite is going to carry over into this game. He's, for the most part, had a pretty good season so far. But um, what, what, what are your initial thoughts about this matchup here? Well, I, I thought that Oregon's offense was actually like fine against. They just shot themselves in the foot, but they still averaged over six yards a play, which is uh, I, I feel it's really good against. I mean, but yeah, but I mean, Shuck had the fumble. Uh, Johnny Johnson had the fumble at, at, at the end of the game. Uh, Cal had a, had a fourth and one stop. Um, I mean, o- Oregon's offense was fine moving it. They they just didn't really convert. Uh, and then, I mean, against, but Oregon, Oregon's offense against Washington's defense, I'm, I, even though Washington's defense was a massive, uh, disappointment against Stanford, I, I'm still really excited for this matchup. Oregon's running the ball has been a little inconsistent in, in, in recent weeks. Uh, and Washington's big weakness on defense is stopping the run. 
So it'll be interesting to see which team gets the better um, end. But I mean, if Oregon turns the ball over um, like they have been pretty much this entire season, uh, six is a lot to be laying against a team as talented as Washington, even if it is at Austin. Yeah, I, I hear you. Taking a look at those rushing numbers here. 135 total yards on the ground. C.J. Verdell, 6 of 8. Troy Dye, 12 of 71. Um, I, I was just surprised. We didn't see a lot of Verdell. I was wondering if he was hurt or something. And um, I, had, I had the sound on most of these games, actually, this this time, but uh, not not that Oregon won as, as much as I would have liked. Um, Shuck, 14 to 26, 54% completion rate. Uh, touchdown uh, through the air, 53 yards on the ground. Uh, minus two turnover rate here, Rob, for Oregon. Uh, one thing that stood out for me, though, on the on the defensive side was, I mean, look, they only allowed 21 points to, to Cal. Uh, it's not like Cal's offense is, is a juggernaut. Uh, but one of the things that stood out for me was penalties. Like, this defense came out like uh they were they were chippy they were getting in in the faces of cal and they were losing like that that was the thing that drove me nuts of like, like you know, it's one thing to be you know usc circa 2004 and with the swagger and confidence and you're up by 30 uh but oregon was acting like they were ahead of this game when in the way that they were treating the cal offensive players and like and it cost them um in the beginning i was wondering like are they gonna throw the flag on this because they're really getting pretty aggressive um and you can't, uh, like you mentioned, you, like Oregon isn't good enough uh, to win if, if they have turnovers and they're not good enough to, to have stupid penalties. And I think that happened a lot in this game. Yeah, I mean, they ended up with double the penalty yards uh, of Cal in this game. Um, I think that I think you're right. I mean, the Oregon, they definitely had a better defensive performance uh, in this game against Cal. I mean, Cal's offense looked pretty pedestrian for the most part in this game, you know, 271 total yards is as <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not many yards. There's, there's a lot of court, like, you know, you feel like it all for a good game, you know, you're, you're expecting your quarterback to throw for at least 250 on his own. Um, but I, I do think that, and, and really too, I mean, you know, Cal, you know, his third down efficiency. I mean, they had 21 third downs. They only converted seven of them in this game. Um, that's not great. Of course, you know, Oregon only went four of 12 on third down, but you know, the Oregon, the, the, I think people liked, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate it too, that they did have more intensity on defense. It was a better defensive performance, but they have to be able to channel that emotion a little more productively, um, you know, and cut out the the penalties. And then really, I mean, getting two fumbles, I mean, like, you know, interceptions are correlated with, you know, a pass rush getting in your face, quarterback making poor decisions with, you know, when he's hurried. You know, the, if you look at, I mean, one of those fumbles, I mean, the, the cow player just put his helmet right on the ball. Yeah, it was <laughs> I mean, awesome. a more, I mean, it was a little more like, you know, the, the odd bounces of the oblong ball, um, you know, and, and Oregon had some, you know, some real bad turnover luck in this game. And what was um, certainly not their best offensive performance uh, at all, like they, you know, those turnovers were enough to doom them, um, you know, and it, it's. You know, and you know, this is going to be a, another step up in competition from you know the team that they just lost to. The other thing to mention too is um, is Cal getting in the backfield, right? You had two two sacks, seven tacks for uh, seven tackles for a loss, number of pass deflections in this game. So uh, you know, like that that offensive line, we know the defense is shaky, um, but Cal did a did a really good job just pressuring that offensive line, both in in pass defense and then rush defense as well. So um, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, note to make but again yeah the turnovers were, were an issue the penalties were an issue um but still i mean cal uh, oregon lost this game the second in a row flipping over to washington here this this washington stanford game 
uh, Max. Uh, for me, the first half was a, really a story of third down conversions. I mean, like Stanford was just could not be stopped. The the uh, the Tavia Pritchard show was was a juggernaut on third down. I don't know. Like, what were your takeaways here from Washington's loss to Stanford? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Washington once again getting getting off to a, a big deficit early on. Um, I thought I thought Davis Mills like this was the best um, that I've seen him play in a while. And I mean, Stanford, like, I mean, like you were saying, Brian, like they went 10 of 13 on third down and, and Washington actually went six of 10 on third down. So both of these defenses uh, had a trouble getting off the field. Um, and I, I mean, Stanford, like this, what we were so high on their offense coming into the season. And this was a, this was a nice full performance from that unit. So props to the Cardinal for pulling off uh, that performance in Seattle. Yeah. through Especially- the mm-hmm. Especially considering that they, they had to practice in Washington. <laughs> uh, where were they? Did, did did you end up seeing where they were actually practicing? Like what city? They were in a public park. <laughs> somebody somebody texted out a picture of like Stanford practicing at some like public park. Ah, uh, that's great. Uh, so I think one thing to mention was Washington was down a couple wide receivers, including Puka Nakua, uh, Dylan Morris, 65% completion rate, uh, 254 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He did get a touchdown on the ground. Uh, one of the things that was interesting for me was how well Stanford was able to bottle up the rushing attack. Sean McGrew was 16 for 65 uh, with two touchdowns. He had, he had the touchdowns, but he had, it took him a lot of touches. Um, and then we take a look at Kamari Pleasant, four for six, 117 total yards on the ground for Washington in this game. It just seemed like a lot of the deficiencies that we had for Stanford, and this just happens sometimes in football, like decided to go away this game. I don't know, Rob. Like it was just really interesting to watch Stanford play. I mean, I think the real story, I mean, like, I mean, a lot, there was a lot of focus on the fact that Stanford actually got somebody over 100 yards rushing. Um, you know, and people saying it was a return of Stanford football. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I don't like, you just, I don't even, like, those people should just not talk about football anymore but anyway was mills i mean mills was really good i mean austin jones got over 100 yards he had 31 carries however so it was not it was not as if stanford was suddenly like dominant you know like just you know running the football um you know they they had their moments you know and uh and pete was pretty good with you know chipping in with seven carries for 44 yards but mills you know 20 for 30 252 you know, getting, uh, you know, 8.4 per that that's really good. Um, and against what is, you know, the strength of this Washington team in a lot of ways, you know, they have been, um, been able to, to shut down, um, you know, the, the wide receivers that they faced force quarterbacks to, to take, you know, too long holding the ball. Uh, and they've also had significantly good pass rush to help out. I mean, ZTF has been an absolute monster for them. Um, you know, it was just a very, very quiet game for this Washington defense. Um, and you, and you really, I mean, again, like you kind of look ahead. I mean, like, I, I don't want to take anything away from Tavita Pritchard. Um, I certainly think Davis Mills has looked more competent over his career and has had some better games and moments than Tyler Shuck has at this point. But, uh, definitely, you know, like I'm sure Joe Moorhead is watching this tape and taking plenty of notes. Oh yeah. And credit to Stanford. And we'll talk about them when we get to their game, but Man, like on both the offense and the defense, like I thought the play calling was great. <laughs> like I really, yeah. really enjoyed. Um, I, you know, they weren't like there. There was 
it was it was just a balanced play call um, all around, and, and just to keep ZTF quiet, like you mentioned, Rob, uh, really really impressive. Uh, anyway, like I, I just want to give credit to the Stanford coaching staff because they really handled this game incredibly well. It was very very impressive to watch. Um, so let, let's actually get to this game here, Oregon against Washington, and uh, and Rob, what do the numbers say here? So this is, I mean, the the highlight, right? I mean, so this is the the, the Oregon offense has comes in at number twenty two. Uh, the Washington defense also comes in at number 22. Uh, what really stands out though, for this Washington, uh, you know, these defensive numbers is that they've really been falling off of late. I mean, they're, they're, their best, you know, most dominant performance, if you will, that I think, you know, opened the, the most eyes turned out to be against Arizona, um, a team with an offensive line. That's a sieve, uh, you know, Washington's drive efficiency right now is at 125. You can put up long drives against this Washington team. Um, you know, where they, they're probably their best number is at 29 at negative drives, forcing three and out, not a big run pass split, you know, 21 versus 28. Um, Oregon has, has been a very explosive offense so far under Moorhead. They've struggled. I, I think from an execution standpoint, I, I think there are still miscues. I think people are still learning the offense. I think guys are still young and making mistakes. Um, you know, they're at 53 and drive efficiency. They struggled to put together longer drives. Um, and there are 24 in effective pass and 44 in effective rush. I mean, really, I think reflecting some of what we talked about, which is they've just struggled to get the the run game going consistently. Um, you feel like in the coming into this game that you know if you if you had quizzed us to what two weeks ago coming off the Arizona game, you know Washington, we would probably say you know would have a huge advantage in uh, on this side. I'm a little less sure, you know, coming in uh, coming in this week after you know seeing them of late, both against. I guess Utah, you know, that was able to move the ball reasonably effectively against them uh, and doesn't have the greatest offense in the world. And um, Stanford really, I think, exploited this defense pretty well. Yeah, I'm, th- this game is fascinating for me, Max, because, you know, if you, if you do the matchups here, so I'm not really impressed with Morris, but the secondary of Oregon um, is not <laughs> what I thought it was. Um, I don't know how well Washington can run the ball. They're fine at it, but Oregon's giving up a lot of rushing yards. When you flip on the other side, um, Shuck, I think, is going to bounce back. I think that was just a bad game for him. I've seen more out of him in the, past, in the previous games. But he's thrown into one of the best secondaries in the Pac-12, and uh, Oregon has struggled to rush the ball <laughs> in the area that uh, that Washington maybe can give up some yards here. So uh, I, what, do you, what do you think the key is to this game? How are you taking a look at it, and, uh, and what's your pick going to be here? Uh, this is this is pretty straightforward, but to me, it, it's just whichever quarterback can shine. Just because I, I don't really trust either of these rushing attacks, um, and for me, I, I just think when one quarterback is having plays dialed up by Joe Moorhead and the other is by John uh, Donovan, I mean that that's a huge advantage uh, for Oregon. And but I don't. But I, I mean, he just makes so many mistakes, and and I feel like even though he has higher upside than Morris, I'm also a little more nervous that he's going to make the costly error that could get Washington back in this game. I don't know. For me, like each team definitely has its fair share of questions as well as a good amount of talent. And when I am not feeling strongly toward one team or the other, I'm going to take the points, especially since it's up at six. Yeah. I'm going to take the points as well. Uh, And this is more picking on the Oregon defense. Um, I, I, I'm definitely not putting money on this game because there's definitely a scenario where Shuck is able to move the football and would create a play calling and all that stuff. But I just, um, man, I just, 
<laughs> just really nervous riding with his Oregon defense anymore, Rob. Uh, I think I gave him three weeks to get their act together, and they still haven't. So um, I'll take the plus six. I think that's a high number. Um, you had mentioned that Baderick had around like four or four and a half, and that, that might sound a little bit more reasonable, but um, I'll take the points. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is really, you know, high upside, high downside with Chuck here. I mean, Morris is likely not going to get put in the position in this game of either winning the game or making, you know, errors, uh, you know, for Chuck, you know, Moorhead's going to let him, you know, air it out a little bit. And I, I, I think that can win them the game. I think it could also, you know, cause some turnovers that really put them in a hole. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I th- I'll take the Huskies here just with the points. Cause I, I think six is a, a, just a tad too high. The one thing I should have mentioned, I forgot to do this, was the um, the Utah Colorado game. Take a look at that under when it comes. Not now, but like when the number comes out. Um, you know, I, I think that's a game where there might not be a lot of points scored. Whereas it's possible that a number of points are scored in this Washington Oregon game. So. Um, with that, let, let's move on. So we have a couple more games here. Full slate, full slate. And we'll get to the next two games right after this. All right, we're back. USC. Undefeated USC, Max. Against UCLA. Um, the best team in the Pac-12 South, Rob. Uh, something's got to give. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. I mean, the beta rank has this as UCLA coming in at 24 USC only at 26. UCLA has been steadily climbing in beta rank. Um, you know, UCLA at home is a three and a half point favorite in beta rank, roughly a 61% win probability. Um, that's different, of course, than you'll see in Vegas, I think. Uh, and I think that there is, um, USC looked good. Uh, I don't want to take away from the fact that they did look very competent against Washington State. Washington State also spotted them three turnovers in that game. Um, <laughs> You know, US, USC's credit, they absolutely dropped the hammer with those turnovers, but um, it was, uh, and and Delora, of course, was just awful uh, in the game, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have been, um, I have to admit, I have become more impressed uh, with UCLA. I mean, they were able to really drop the hammer on Arizona State um, and close that game out. Uh, in a way that past UCLA teams would not have. I mean, if you take and if you take away really the nightmarish performance that they had uh, against uh, Colorado, turnover-wise, um, and really, I mean, some bad turnovers and you know the the backup quarterback playing against Oregon. I mean, we could have been talking about an undefeated UCLA. I mean, that Oregon game was a lot closer than we thought it would be, particularly with the backup quarterback. Yeah, and that pick at the end of that half which is just backbreaking. Holy goodness, that that was pretty rough. Uh, Max, so Vegas has USC uh, and William Hill has USC as a three-point favorite uh, against UCLA, which is the opposite of what Baderank has. Uh, what were your first impressions of this matchup here? Uh, for me, this one's really interesting just because USC has played four games. Uh, first one, season debut for both Arizona State and USC. Second game, season debut for Arizona third game season debut for Utah, fourth game Washington State off of of the past two weeks just due to COVID. So this is really like the first team that they faced all season long that has played consecutive games. And I just think that UCLA has been on a roll. And admit, I mean, USC has too. I mean, they blew out Utah and they blew out Washington State. So it seems it's two teams that are peaking. And USC looked amazing against UCLA. Well, not necessarily their defense, but their offense looked incredible against UCLA last season. But I just think that UCLA's defense 
has been the most surprising unit in a good way of any Pac-12 unit so far this season. Yeah, taking a look at USC's performance against Washington State. And by the way, I, I was, it was like Stu Mandel, who we've picked on a little bit on this show. I'm going to do it again. Um, going out on a, on a limb and saying USC is just on fire right now. Let, let's calm down a little bit. Let's calm down. Played a, a Utah team that, that was getting their act together and um, in Washington State after two weeks, like you mentioned, uh, Max. But with that said, Keaton Slovis, 25 for 32, 78% completion rate, five touchdowns, four of those to Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, they just brought the wood in the first quarter. It was impressive what they were able to do. Drake London, 92 yards. Tyler Vaughn, 69 yards. Gary Bryant even got in on it, uh, 30 yards on four receptions. Uh, I think the real story, though, <laughs> Here, Rob, is uh, 16 carries for 22 yards against uh, Washington State. Like, what What on earth? What on earth? Like, good luck rushing against UCLA, like you mentioned, right? Yeah, I mean, they really struggle to run the football. I mean, this isn't new, of course. This is this is the USC offense. And it's not it's not even necessarily the, the scheme or design. I, I mean, I, I firmly believe it's just the coaching on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, you flip it around here, this, this UC, you know, this USC offense, they're number 95 in effective rush. They're just not a good, you know, good at running the football. Number seven in effective pass. But, you know, UCLA, their their defense is a lot better. I mean, they're not like a great defense or anything. This isn't, you know, let's not kid ourselves. But at number 43 in beta rank, that's significant improvement from where they were last year. Um, and, and they're at number 45 in effective rush, number 50 in effective pass. Uh, and they will... And, and USC again, I mean, and Slovis took some shots in this Washington state game. Um, they've struggled a little bit in, in, you know, keeping him upright. They, they are going to need to throw the ball, I think in this game in order to, 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 to get, stay ahead. Um, you know, and UCLA has shown a, a real willingness to blitz, um, you know, so Slovis, I think, you know, he has the recognition to, to see what's going on, but um, how many shots is he potentially going to take could also be a factor in this game because the drop off to Fink is, is pretty significant. Yeah. You know, looking at Washington state here in that game, um, Delora had a bad game, like you mentioned, but on the ground, you know, holding Washington state to 73 yards on the ground. Now granted again, COVID. So there's a big asterisk there, but they actually did it. Um, and uh, really Washington state was able to, to have their way on the ground with a number of teams. So um, a credit to USC for keeping them at bay there. Renard bell through the air, 76 yards. I, I love Travell Harris. Like that guy is super fun to watch uh, 74 yards through the air as well, but really Washington um, uh, USC was able to uh, keep the vice on that offense, you know, moving, moving into this game here, Rob, like you mentioned, um, I don't think, I don't think USC is going to be able to run the ball. How is USC's pass defense? Like, what's that matchup split? One second. So on the other side of the ball, you've got the 28 offense for UCLA against the 46 defense for USC. Um, USC's pass defense is at 26. Their rush defense is at 69. I mean, they oh, really struggled actually, to can, stop the run. Can you flip that? Flip that around. I was asking about a USC throwing on UCLA. Oh, so UCLA's pass defense is at number 50. Um, you know, uh, USC's, you know, at number seven in effective pass. So you could still throw the ball on the Bruins. I mean, the, where they, but they have become a little more, as, as I, I mentioned, like they're a little more all or nothing. They're, they're going to go in, they're going to play some man and they're going to, you know, send rushers. That makes me a little nervous here, Max. Um, I, I really want to take UCLA in this game, but I do see a scenario where, <laughs> that secondary gets burned. I mean, these wide receivers are pretty good, but I don't also don't trust uh, USC's offensive line to hold off a really aggressive pass rush. Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously, uh, both teams have 
their flaws. I just, I, I still really do not trust USC's offensive line. And I'm, while USC was able to, you know, break free of Utah and of Washington State, the it's just that they still aren't able to run the ball. And those close games that they needed miraculous comebacks for Arizona State and Arizona are still not erased from my mind. I, I've been very impressed with UCLA this whole year. I mean, Rob said it like, they very well could have beaten Oregon at Autzen if it wasn't for the the Oregon having their best turnover differential game, including that pick six Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Um, and, and the Colorado game, like that was just extreme turnover misfortune. So I feel like when UCLA isn't turning the ball over, which obviously seems obvious that they're, they very well could be the best team in, in the Pac-12 South. I, I, I think that this is a very, um, I think it's a very balanced team. I, I, I like, um, I, I, was, I was impressed with how they really shut down Arizona State for so much of the game. Um, that game was a dead under pretty much, unless except for Arizona State having that one shot to send it into overtime. But no, I mean, DTR, like he, he had one like, arm punt that probably should have been picked off that a UCLA receiver made a, a really nice catch on, but he was really solid and, and he used his legs. Uh, USC is, is usually horrendous against mobile quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to, even though I, I wish it was three and a half, four, like what it was earlier, but I'll still take the Bruins at three. Yeah, and let's talk about the Bruins against ASU here, Rob. Uh, like like uh, Max mentioned, DTR, decent game, 18 to 24. That first quarter, though, holy goodness, like... <laughs> I was I was trying like you know taking the the fork out of my eye with both Daniels and DTR just throwing all over the place and not in the right directions. Uh, like you mentioned, Max, that that gash uh, that that catch uh, from the arm punt was a beautiful catch by I forget who it was. I think it was um uh, was it Delon Hurt? I, anyway, it, it, they grab grasping uh you know victory from the jaws of defeat there. But uh, 192 through the air with a touchdown. He got a touchdown on the ground. Britton Brown, you know. The UCLA's been able to, to put together a ground attack yet again. They had 171 yards on the ground between Felton and Brown. Um, they also sacked Daniels five times, seven tackles for a loss. They really got in that backfield, that aggressive uh, attacking defense uh, that they do. Um, and really holding, like, you know, Daniels to what I think he had, uh, I forget how many yards to the ground, but it was not a lot <laughs> through the air. Um, they did give up 165 yards on the ground, which is uh, an interesting uh, note to make. But um, I don't know, Rob, like what, what other keys are you looking for in this matchup here against UCLA? I, I guess for me, it would also be like, how's USC's ground defense against the, you know, whether or not UCLA can actually uh, run the ball. They, they like to do that. Um, are they going to be able to, and what else are you looking for? Yes, they're going to be able to run the ball. Like so, this is the the twenty eight offensive beta rank against the forty six USC defense. Um, USC is sixty nine in effective rush. UCLA is sixteen in effective rush. I mean, they're uh, um, you know where UC where USC is strong is it against the pass. They're at number twenty six. It's also, I mean, uh, Pe Gayote has been in concussion protocol for the last two weeks. There was rumors that he was entering the transfer portal. I think his name went in there today. Um, so that would definitely take him as not going to be suiting up for this game. They're getting very thin at linebacker um, and they have absolutely had their struggles stopping the run. I, I like Felton and Brown have big games. Um, and, you know, if they incorporate, um, you know, as USC has been playing a lot of man under Orlando, um, if DTR can do to them what Daniels and the um, 
quasi-athletic Grant Gannell were able to do against, <laughs> against this USC defense running the football. Um, I think that they could really have trouble. I mean, I, I, I like the Bruins. I like, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm saying this. I like the Bruins in this game. Um, I do like they're, they, they got a shot. Yeah. I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take Chip Kelly. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not putting money on this one, but, uh, I, I'm curious to see how the game uh, turns out, but I will take the points as we move on to our next game here. And that is ASU is back. Welcome back to the party. ASU is an 11 and a half point favorite at Arizona. And man, that seems like a lot of points. I know Arizona has plumber. He's not that good. Um, it's possible that they just run up straight up the middle. That's kind of why. That's why I want to talk about this with you guys first here. Uh, but Rob, let's take a look at uh, what does Beta Rank think here. And I know, like, there, again, it's a uh, it, there's a lot of exceptions here. And let's clear our throats about you know Beta Rank having a lot of preseason data and ASU not playing a lot. Um, but still, curious to see what the advanced stats say. Yeah, I mean, ASU is still most, I mean, they've only played two freaking games. So this is still mostly preseason weight for the Sun Devils. I mean, although, I mean, even for Arizona, it's still a lot of preseason weight um, as well. The, um, you know, Arizona State is at 38, Arizona's at 81. Arizona's currently the worst team in the Pac 12. Um, you know, ASU's got a 74% win probability. They're roughly a seven point favorite uh, in beta rank here. Uh, you know, coming in. So, I mean, less so than, uh, you know, you would have expected, you know, uh, or, you know, given how high that number has gotten. I think I'm, I'm interested to see that because I'm not sure that that this ASU team that we've seen, and if they are a little rusty at all, um, that they're, you know, really more than, I mean, 10 points. I mean, you get past 10 points, you're talking about two touchdowns better than Arizona. I mean, I think I think ASU is better than Arizona, no doubt. I don't know if they're that much better. One of the things to mention, and I didn't realize this uh, until Michael Lev tweeted out, Arizona secretly had like this exodus of secondary players. So they, they have like five yeah. players basically starting in their secondary, and 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 they might not need need all of them against Daniels in this passing attack. Who knows? Who knows? So, you know, maybe they uh, put it together a little bit more as they get some more time on the field. Uh, but Max eleven, you know, eleven and a half. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Arizona's been playing more. I, they, they are they are a flawed team, but they can run the ball, and um, and that's about it. But <laughs> I don't know what, what did you think when you saw that line come out. Uh, I mean, I thought of Colorado being a touchdown favorite on the road, and that line climbed to like almost double digits by the time that that game closed. Uh, I thought that was crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. Well, I, I still think it's a little high, but. Oh man, I don't know. It is a rivalry game. I just, I, uh, for, I'm not betting on this game. No way. It's 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 a crazy line, but I can't I can't take Arizona in good faith. I can't even watch Arizona football. They're just they're 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 putrid. It is it is really a, a brutal watch, uh, particularly with Plummer. I mean, I think that's the thing. Um, I really haven't been impressed with Mazzoni's play calling, and I and I know people from UCLA. I forget where else he was. Uh, I think he played called plays at ASU. They were probably all nodding their heads as we say this, but uh, I just think it's been incredibly uncreative. Um, the one thing that they can do is run the football. Uh, Plummer, I think, is going to get you what Rob 180 yards and a touchdown and an interception. I think this is all going to be on the ground if Arizona is able to cover this spread. Um, what's the difference between Arizona's offense and ASU's defense. So on this side of the ball, uh, you know, it it is an advantage I think right now. From it, it, it is a little more with the preseason weight. Uh, you know, ASU's defense comes in at thirty. Arizona's offense comes in at eighty. Um, Arizona's offense has been horrible at drive efficiency. 
um, you know, finishing off drives. They're a little bit better at negative drives. I mean, you could see that someone in the Colorado game, they are able to get more yards than they are able to convert them into points. Um, I do think that the off, I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, it's the, the offensive line is your main culprit here. Um, they're just unable to keep the quarterback upright. Um, you know, that UCLA game really stands out as just really struggling to, to pick up blitzes with protection. Um, they are better running the ball 57 versus, you know, effective pass. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I mean, if, if it is plumber, I mean, I, I think ASU is probably more than 10 points better. If Gannell can play, I, I don't think they are. I think it's closer to seven. Yeah. So you keep a lookout on who is playing. Although Gannell looked like that was a season ending injury. I mean, like just, they couldn't raise a shoulder basically on the sideline, which is interesting. Yeah. So, um, I, I see, I see the number there. Um, but let's flip over here to ASU. I just, I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball a ton and, and Arizona, they have a really thin secondary, but the corners are, are actually pretty decent. Um, and the offensive line, I'm sorry, the, the defensive line is decent. It's that center area that I'm just really worried about. Like what, what's the, what's the, the split between ASU running the ball and Arizona stopping the run? Uh, I mean, ASU's definitely been more effective running the ball. I mean, Daniels, I mean, it's only a two game sample, but he has not been very effective throwing the ball. Um, they're at 29 and effective rush 92 and effective pass, but you flip that around. I mean, Arizona, I mean, particularly after the Colorado game, they're at 108 and effective rush. They're at number 11 and effective pass. I mean, if you are able to get a hat on and get, you know, uh, Lopez and Blackwell blocked one-on-one, Arizona's in a lot of trouble uh, defensively because if you can get, you know, either guards or tackles coming free uh, to block linebackers, Arizona's linebackers and safeties are often either out of position um, or they're, you know, they can easily be sealed off and blocked one-on-one. I think in particular ASU, if they, you know, run power with Tatum, um, you know, their, their freshman back out of Ohio, who uh, was one of the big gets for them in the recruiting uh, cycle last time. I, I think Arizona state's going to be able to move the ball on the ground pretty effectively there. Um, but Dan, I mean, again, like if they, if Arizona, I, I think they have the potential as you saw against UCLA, if they get into any kind of third and long, they could be in trouble. I'm just trying to figure out, like, I really want to take ASU. It's hard to do that in a rivalry game where Arizona's at least had some time on the ground. Who, what, what does Beta Rank have the spread at, Rob? Seven. Yeah. Who are you taking? I mean, I, I just think the number, like, I just think 11 and a half is just a little too high. But, I, like, it's really hard for me, though, because, I mean, if it's, if it really is plumber, and I think it likely will be, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to see how Arizona gets much of anything really going. I mean, even if they like, like with Colorado, they were able to put up quite a few yards against Colorado. They just couldn't turn them into points it's hard to see them doing that again. I mean, what we just talked about with Daniels, you know, if you can get Arizona state in third and long, you're, you're, you're in a good spot. That's absolutely also true of Arizona. I don't know. I'm <laughs> if it's pl- like, I'll say this, if it's plumber, I'll, I've, I'm this is a total hedge, but if it's plumber, I'm taking ASU. If it's Gunnell, I'm taking, I'm taking Arizona. Yeah. It's, it's just a one dimensional offense without, without Gunnell in there. And even then like Gunnell's yeah. like Gunnell is fine. I mean, what is he like? Probably the fourth or fifth best uh, quarterback in the conference. Like, if if Mills is yeah, playing, okay. I mean, he's, he's not like lighting the world on fire, but at least he can move the offense forward a little bit. Uh, I think the the thing that that makes me, gosh, I'm so, mm, um, 
Max, as, as I try to find these words, who are you taking? Uh, if I really had to pick, I, 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 whatever I'm trying, I'm expecting that they're going to hang like a number in the high fifties in this game for the total. I like the under in this game. Mm. If that's the case, uh, I'll take the home underdog getting double digits in a rivalry game and I don't like it, but I got to do it on principle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep a lookout for that under. Um, I, I really like that. I think it's a good call there. Um, you know, like it, the one thing that really bothers me is I don't know how good this rushing attack is for ASU. Like we've, we've seen two games, right? Like the first game and then like four weeks off of COVID uh, against, uh, you know, a, a decent UCLA front. So, and they did get like 170 yards on the ground, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with max. It's a, it's a rivalry game. They're at home. Ugh, I don't, I don't like this either, but um just that that double digit point spread is is worrisome for me. Um, I think maybe Arizona keeps it close on the ground, but we will see. Um, all right, we got two more games here, and let's get to those right after this. All right, we're back. A non rivalry game, non rivalry game. Cal, a two and a half point favorite on the road at Washington State, and Cal, like we mentioned, coming off a a pretty solid uh, win over Oregon. And again, why was was he just getting waxed all over the place? Um, you know, Delora not having a great game. Um, Rob, you know, we'll talk a little bit more from the Cal perspective of their win over Oregon. But uh, what do the advanced stats say about this matchup? Because I, I think this is like the most interesting game of the week. Yeah, this is really tight. Cal comes in at 39. Washington State is at 56. Um, it's basically Cal with a 52% win probability and just a, a, a just under a point favorite in beta rank. So, I mean, really a, a game like in a lot, it could go either way. Okay. Um, Chase Garbers, 20 for 31 against Oregon, 65% completion rate, 183 yards to the air. Um, Nico Remigio had a pretty good game, six of 81 with a touchdown, including like a really solid, just really excellent catch um, out there. The rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the wide receivers, Tonga's had like 20 yards, uh, Crawford, 20 yards. Uh, but they were able to get the get the um, ball, you know, at least moving a little bit. Um, wasn't as impressive as as one would hope. Uh, on the ground, man, Oregon really did hold Cal uh, to to 88 yards on 47 rushes. So you saw Marcel Dancy, Chris Brown get in, freshman Damian Moore in there, 12 for 26. So uh, you know, welcome welcome to the big leagues. Um, I, I I've been really impressed with Garbers putting it together, and we kind of figured that that would happen. That first game uh, against UCLA was just so it's just such a bizarre. Um, uh, circumstance and he's been able to to move the ball through the air. Um, is Max was there any, any saving grace to Washington State in their game against USC? Um, th- this is the one game I wasn't able to watch, so I'm I'm just curious how they were able to <laughs> perform against the Trojans. Uh, and it's kind of weird, right? You go down like 25 points in the in the first quarter, so it's I guess I, I don't know. Is there anything we can mine from that game? They stopped the run. <laughs> they did. They did stop the run. That is one thing. Um, Rob, uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no I, I was gonna, like, I, like they, they, they still like they fought at the like it could have got it could have gotten like much worse. And I actually, I can't believe how like Slovis being in the game in the fourth quarter was uh, mind numbing to me. I, I couldn't, but, but yeah, I mean Washington State they were a little feisty. So I, I I'm still like I don't think the Cougars are as bad as what they showed against USC. I think that this line is, is definitely a bit of an overreaction from this past week's results. And maybe it's just people trying to 
buy or go back on the Cal bandwagon after how many people hyped them up preseason. Yeah, I think this line's a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking too. But uh, you know, like I'm trying to stick with my guns because I do think I know what what both of these teams are. Um, the one thing that was interesting, I mean, like right, we we've, we've been kind of knocking Cal's offense, Rob, all year. Um, you know, and they scored 21 points against a bad, <laughs> bad Oregon defense. Um, and it's not like Washington State's going to light the world on fire with their defense, but their front seven is interesting. Um, I, I do think they've actually been, you know, moderately successful at stopping the run in spots. Um, their secondary I'm a little bit worried about, but um, I, I don't know. What do the advanced numbers say here? So it's Cal's offense is at 74. Um, Washington State's defense is at 93. I mean, where Cal has excelled is a drive efficiency. They're at number 24 there. So they they have been able to put some drives together, some long drives and turn them into points. Um, that's where Washington State has really struggled at 114. But Cal, just no big plays, 123 in explosive drives, um, you know, negative drives, just too many three and outs. They're at 63 in effective rush, 72 in effective pass. And 74, I mean, they're going backwards from their, um, you know, their preseason projection number, which had them uh, expected them to be better than this. Um, Washington State, I mean, this is about where we thought they'd be defensively. Um, I do think that there's some encouraging, you know, things about the defense that we've seen at times. But I expect Cal's going to probably have their best offensive game of the season, uh, you know, in this game here. Washington State's defense, you know, will allow you to do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. It's just, uh, I guess, the, I guess the question is, can Wazoo put up the points against Cal? This is an improving defense. I think that's that's fair. The secondary, um, you know, clearly not as good as it was last year, but I think they're still, you know, it's a decent unit. Um, how is that matchup? Because I think if Washington State can put up points, like, I think they win the game. But I just, um, it'd be, I'm just, we know what most of these teams are. I'm pretty sure Cal's defense is okay. Um, but, uh, this is just a, such a funky offense to go up against, uh, what do the numbers say? Well, this is interesting. I mean, in some ways, Cal's defense in the, in their effective pass number right now is actually better than they were last season. They're at number 12. Um, they're at number 53 right now in effective rush. Uh, I, you know, this Washington state team has a far smaller split than they've had in years past. Of course, where, you know, Mike Leach doesn't actually call run plays. He, you know, you only check into them. Um, you know, so the, the 41, uh, offense versus the number 32 defense, the, the Washington state's at 25 in effective pass. I mean, they're 69 in effective rush. That's not huge, but that's a far cry from where they've been in the past. And they've definitely shown some competence in, in being able to run the football. Um, Cal again, I mean, I mean, it's sort of hard to tell. I mean, what do we think about Oregon's rushing attack? Do we think that that was Cal really tightening it up? Or do we think that, you know, the ducks have really struggled to get it going on the ground? I, I tend to maybe lean a little more towards the ducks having really struggled to get it going on the ground as much as you'd like. Um, that said, I mean, Washington state, I don't expect them to suddenly show up and be a juggernaut running the football, but I mean, Delora, I mean, he had his, I mean, just a nightmarish game. I, I don't think, I mean, the benching that he got um, towards the end of that was, I mean, partly cause he's having a bad night and the game was really out of hand. Um, but I, I mean, I expect them to bounce back and, 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 and play, you know, you know, certainly better than we saw last week. Um, and you know, he's, you know, he, the, without the turnovers, they, he should face a lot less pressure. Um, that I think, I don't think he, you know, I think he maybe for the first time in his career felt like it was like to be sort of, uh, you know, 
really swimming hard upstream, you know, against the USC offense that was just lighting up their defense and, and they were turning the ball over. Ah, I don't know. I, I, I think it was more Cal's uh, defensive line that was able to get get in. I, I'm still not impressed with Cooney Dang. I know he has a lot of tackles, but there's like uh, there was there was a, an Oregon touchdown was like literally him not being in the right spot, and he was put in an unfair spot against one of the wide receivers. But um, I do I do think I do kind of like Cal's uh, defensive line a little bit better than I had anticipated. Max, I I don't know, man. Th- th- this <laughs> this one's real tough. Because I really, really want to take Washington State. I think they're undervalued. I think this line is an overreaction, like you mentioned. Uh, but I also think Cal's improving, and um, I think I think their defense uh, is is a little stronger um, week to week. And I think there's a scenario where they're able to to really pick this up. And I'm not a big fan of Washington State's secondary, so I don't know who are you taking or what are some of the keys that you're looking out for when you're trying to cap this one. Uh, I mean, for me, like I still, I, I'm a big fan of Jaden Delora. Um, I just think that Washington state was just with all the COVID issues, like they were just put in a tough spot, uh, just going up against a USC team that really can throw the ball well, or or they should be able to throw the ball well with all the weapons that they have. Um, and and Cal, like as good as like Remigio has been and Garbers, I, I still think is solid, but nowhere near the potency through the air that USC has. Uh, I still think Cal's special teams is, is, is a nightmare. And <laughs> Justin Wilcox actually like passing up uh, a field goal uh, when they were fourth and five, and, and then they went for it and failed. Um, I thought that was a little interesting, though. It, w- it probably was the right call just because Cal was up by four. And, I mean, Oregon was still going to need a touchdown regardless. But, I mean, Cal's special teams has just been so bad this year. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, and weird things happen at the at the Palouse. So I, I, I just think for me, this is a classic um, overreaction just based off of the previous week's results. So I'll, I'll take uh, the Cougars and the points. And a possible letdown spot here too. You know, big win over Oregon. Now they got to go on the road to what, like a one and two Washington State. All right, all right. I'll, I'll take Washington State. I was going to lean there. Um, I'm not confident about it. I'm not putting money on this game, but I will uh, mark myself down there for the Cougs. All right, let's go to our last game here. Stanford, a three-point favorite on the road at Oregon State. Oregon State without Tristan Jebbia. So we have another Chance Nolan sighting here as, as they go up against uh, Stanford. We'll talk about Stanford's side of their win over Washington and also Oregon State side in their uh, loss to Utah. But, uh, Rob, what, what, do the, what do the advanced stats say here to start? So Beta Rank has the Stanford, uh, I mean, right about where Vegas has it. And that's at uh, 2.77. And Stanford has a 61% win probability. Um, Stanford's only at 54. Um, and Oregon State comes in at 72. Max, does this line seem fishy to you? Um, I don't want to overreact to Stanford. I don't think I don't think Stanford's that good of a team. Um, but Nolan is, is really not good. Um, we don't know if Jamar Jefferson's in this game. But, uh, you know, like... I think Oregon State's defense has, has been fine. I do think if uh, you know if, if Stanford's able to put it together on the ground with or uh, through the air with Mills, they'll be able to move the ball. Um, I, I really kind of like Stanford, but I, but that line is, is that's pretty low. I mean, Stanford for the most part is, has disappointed this year, um, so I, I don't I don't think it's that. Like, what did what what would you think it would like? Are you expecting or were you expecting closer to a touchdown? Because I think that that would have been way too high. Oh yeah, so, maybe like five and a half around there. I guess it's not that low. 
don't know. I think I think a field goal on the road is is plenty of respect for a Stanford team that's been pretty whatever. I mean, you were you guys are yeah, but Brian, if I, if I recall, like you were like you couldn't vote or sorry, let me read it. But like if I recall, like you guys uh, were like way out on Stanford last week um, against Washington, <laughs> and now all of a sudden three points on the road. Is, is too fishy of a line for it being too low. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. This is, this is my this is my chance, Nolan. This is my chance, Nolan, overreaction. Uh, fair. No, I for me, like, yeah, I I think Nolan is really bad, and I thought Jebbia was going to be really bad before the season. Nolan is what I thought Jebbia was going to be um, this season. So I, I mean, I do think that Stanford as a three point road favorite is fair. Um, Oregon State's just a very well-coached team. I, I really like their offensive line play. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that uh, Nolan's just so bad. It's it's And Stanford, like, if Mills can put up that performance against Washington, I, I think he's going to have a good time against Oregon State too. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Stanford here. Rob, I, I guess one of the key. Well, let, let's go to Stanford against Washington because, that, I mean, that was by far the most complete game, and I don't think Stanford's at that level. So I'm I'm not trying to build in like a I'm on the Stanford train again. That was, uh, but uh, I'm just trying to 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 match them up against Oregon State. So against Washington, right? You know, Davis Mills, 20 to 30, 67 percent touchdown. Um, Austin Jones, Nathaniel Pete were able to get it done on the ground. Although, like you mentioned, it took Austin Jones 31 tries to get 138 yards, but he did get it. Um, and I think Nathaniel Pete's really fun to watch. So so they were able to put up, you know, 191 yards total against um, against Washington and just with some really good play calling, too. They mixed it up. Simi Fajoko, uh, Michael Wilson got in on, on the action here. What What's you know, what's Stanford's pass attack against uh, Oregon State? Because let's say Mills falls back to earth, but he's not awful. Um, I'm just curious what that would what that would mean, because Baderant kind of baked in his performance against a really solid secondary. Yeah, so they're at 17 in effective pass, number 34 overall on offense. Uh, Oregon State's at number 70 in effective pass and number 95 overall on, on defense. So I mean, I would really expect Stanford's going to be able to throw the ball pretty effectively against this Beaver defense. And how about how about their running attack against Oregon State's front seven? Um, I mean, so Stanford's at seventy in effective rush. Oregon State, however, is at ninety-five or ninety-nine in effective rush. And I mean, this is something that you know, even teams that have you know struggles to get the ball going, you know, get things going, running the football, have been, have been able able to run the ball on the Beavers. Yeah, I guess I guess just flipping it around. Um, even though like Oregon State's defense has been sneaky, not good, I do think that they've been able to really man up in, in really important parts of the game. And the Oregon game comes to mind where there's a couple just goal line stands that they were able to put together. And I I like it, um, but I think it's also dependent on the fact that Jebbia and that offense, which is so bizarre because I don't think Jebbia is that good, but like he was at least good enough to move the ball down the field. Um, so if Jefferson and Jebbia are able to extend those drives, um, I think I think it puts a lot less pressure on that defense. But if they are stalling out, um, I, I do think I do think things can get kind of weird. Um, I mean, it's really hard to pick this game because we don't know if Jefferson's going to be in the game, and Stanford has given up yards on the ground. Um, so I, I do not expect them to perform like they did against Oregon. Um, but if it, but if it's BJ Baylor and in like you know some backups, um, 
I would really like Stanford in this game. Um, maybe not really. I, w- I would take Stanford in this game and may actually put some money on that. Um, I don't know, Max, is that is that crazy? I mean, I still would like to see because I mean, Oregon State was missing a few guys uh, against Utah. I mean, one of them being Jamar Jefferson. I, I feel like I would. I mean, Je- Jebby is out for the year. I still would like to see what other players are are, are in for that game, but. Um, yeah, my first inclination would definitely be Stanford. If if this was Jebbia in this game, I would take Oregon State. This is, um, but I I just holy goodness, like, and you know maybe Nolan really calms down and he's a little bit better. I mean, like he was a high four star recruit coming out of JUCO at Saddleback College, so it's possible that he just had a, the worst game of his life and and he'll bounce back. And I hope he does. Um, with that said, man, like he he looked he looked like a Khalil Tate out there sometimes, mi- minus the speed. Um. It was interesting. I was listening to the announcers and they were like talking about how he had sneaky athleticism as he's like stumbling. <laughs> he's running like a five, six forty, get, you know, gaining three yards, you know, as the defensive end catches up to him. So um, I, I'm not certain if he has that athleticism that the announcers had said that he did. They also went all in on his like one, one rushing touchdown that he had in the previous game, which was really interesting. I don't know, Rob, who, who are you taking? You want to talk me out of taking Stanford here? I mean, it is tough because no one's going to get a far easier defense. Uh, Stanford's defense comes in at 83. They're a 102 in effective pass. I mean, they're a real bad pass defense. I mean, it, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, if it was Jebbia, like, I, I agree. Like, I, I'd, I'd take the Beavers. I think Jebbia would throw all over the Stanford defense. Um, I don't know. that. I, I think it's still hard. To, it's hard. We have a very small sample size with Nolan. It was against Utah, which is still a very well-coached defense. I just, I, I like, you know, with no one in there, I just, I like Stanford, you know, to, to, to beat the three points. I mean, it's basically beta rank is, it has, you know, a lot of Jebbia baked into their Oregon state number. Um, and it, it basically says it should be three points, you know, with a lot of Jebbia in there. And I with no Jebbia, I, I, I think it's more than three. What, what a year. When, when uh, Jebbia is the the crux in which or the foundation in which we we make our picks uh, on on whether or not we're going to take Oregon State or not, uh, just an interesting time, uh, man. All right, I'll take Stanford. I'm I'm worried. I think Ve- like Vegas is. I'm worried about this, but I I just don't think that Utah game was was all that close. Like there, it's just a bunch of weird weird stuff had to happen for Oregon State to come back in that game. Um, and I know Utah got like the the special teams touchdown, but that second half was just one of the most bizarre um, string of events that I've seen. Um, that that like that was within the realm of reality. It wasn't like the U, like the UCLA Washington State game, but it was just like a bunch of really small bizarre things that happened. So, all right, I'll take Stanford and uh, Max. Or, I'm sorry, I'll, yeah, I'll take Stanford. Max, who are you taking again? Stanford. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. That's it. Uh, easy peasy. We will be back next week. Where uh, each team, I, I know like the Pac-12 is doing their you know one v one, two v two, three v three tournament uh, type of thing. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll also do um, a uh, we're gonna have a bowl episode. We're definitely gonna do some um, you know like an end of the year wrap up. So stay tuned. We're gonna have a lot more uh, stuff for you down the road as we move into the postseason here. Thanks for sticking with us, and we'll catch everybody next week.